It's always a privilege, always a treat to have Ambassador Dory Gold with us. He's very accomplished. He uh, certainly has his finger on the pulse of what's going on. He's a diplomat. He worked for Ariel Sharon. He was an advisor to Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu during his first term in office. He was named in 2015 Director General of the Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs. And uh, he is certainly is somebody who's very engaged in the political process. And he's now the president of the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. And the ambassador is with us. He's very accomplished. And he has his finger on the pulse of what's happening in Israel, the Middle East, and beyond. So, Mr. Ambassador, a pleasure, a privilege to have you back on the airwaves. How are you during the lockdown in Israel? Well, we've become pretty used to these lockdowns. So, um it's not a lockdown which forbids all movement beyond your house. It's a lockdown with all these uh, asterisks and explanations. And if you want to go to the supermarket to get food, if you want to go to the pharmacy to get pharmaceuticals, all that's permitted. Now, from your vantage point, how do you make out what happened on Wednesday in Washington where you had a rally of 100,000 people, you had a storming of the Capitol, uh, you had a whole situation where they're now calling for impeachment of the President of the United States. How do you in Israel see what's happening here in America? Well, you know, we're very careful when we look at this and when we comment on it because um, this is an American matter. Our hearts go out to the American people and um, for this kind of polarization that seems to only be getting worse. But, um, you know, it's not for us to become Monday morning quarterbacks and start commenting on how to reform the American political system. That would be a grave mistake for Israelis to get engaged in that issue. No, but the question that I really have, and I was leading up to it, is that during the past four years, there was a, ter- a very close relationship between the Prime Minister of Israel and the President of the United States. In fact, the President Trump is considered to be one of the most pro-Israel presidents in American history. Now that there is going to be President Joe Biden, there'll be a reset. How is it going to affect the American-Israeli relationship? Will the fact that they were so close to the Trump administration, will that hurt the current administ- current uh, relationship? You know, Israel should be close to the American president. That is the way uh, things have been, and that's the way they should be. Now, I will say this. President Trump did some things for Israel that are historical. The Golan Heights, moving the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, the uh, exit from the terrible Iran deal, um, one thing after another, these were extraordinary for Israel. They were extraordinary for many Arab states, and uh, they were, I think, very good for American interests. But, um, you know, we have to now construct a new relationship with the president-elect. I don't think it'll be that difficult. Uh, he has been a long friend of Israel for many years, um, and... You know, it's just with sorrow that we look at what's going on in the United States, but it's not up to us to comment on it. Israelis always have comments on everything going on. And, you know, I think we should be very careful. That's all. Now, I understand the question, but there certainly is going to be a reset in relations because you mentioned Iran. During the past four years, the Iran deal was was gotten rid of. It was broken. It was changed. The 
president said we're not going to go ahead with it. Now you have a new administration coming in where one of the top priorities will be to reset relationship with Iran, a point of contention. And my question was, is that, and again, I'm sure the, how you view Judea and Samaria is going to be also an issue. The President Trump looked at it one way positively. He recognized the Golan Heights, recognized Jerusalem, moved the embassy. Now, they're not going to move the embassy out of Jerusalem, but certainly they're going to have a whole different way of looking at Jerusalem and also Judea and Samaria. It will be up to us to explain our position. The position that we're taking in the last four years are not Republican positions. They're American positions. And uh, if we are firm and we show why these positions are important, I believe we'll be okay. If we become lax and don't engage in diplomacy, which is my profession, then um, you know we'll pay the consequences. Now, you're an ultimate diplomat, and you've dealt with these situations before. But since... Incoming president, President-elect Joe Biden, was part of the administration, the Obama administration, where there was contention with Israel. So some people are saying, well, can we look forward to a more contentious relationship? Because it's not that he's coming fresh. He's coming back with the same policies of the previous administration, which led to conflicts. So resolution is certainly diplomacy is great. But are we starting off on a on a path where there could be a lot of differences and friction because of past relationship? Well, what I think it would be helpful, one big change that occurred, thanks to President Trump, I have to say, were the new relationships, the normalization of the deals that we made with Arab states. Uh, just think about it, uh, two states in the Gulf, um, and then onward to Sudan and Morocco. This is a... Uh, change in the Middle East. It has affected the way Middle Eastern states look to us. And I think we have to lock arms with Middle Eastern states and present joint positions as much as possible. I'll tell you this. I run a research center, a think tank, called the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. And one of the things that we started doing back in 2015, before I went back into government, and now we are resuming today, is uh, reaching out to these countries, looking for research centers that are well-connected with their governments to see if we can do things together. I think that when um, Israel and Arab states come together to Washington and present positions that they both sides believe in, I think we are in a much stronger position, and I think we can help America uh, fortify its, its standing in the Middle East. So I think that's the, the direction we should take. I don't expect Arab states to agree to our positions in Jerusalem or to agree to um, our concept of defensible borders for Israel. But I think we have to enunciate them, make them clear, and find the common ground with our Arab neighbors, and in some cases Arab allies, for uh, the uncertainty ahead. Were you surprised at how fast things moved in the last six months with Israel getting into relationships with Bahrain and UAE, Sudan, maybe Saudi Arabia? Were you surprised at how fast things were moving? Well, remember, I engaged in diplomacy, and I was fully aware of the interest of Arab states in 
putting their relations with Israel on a new footing. In, uh, I guess it was 2015, I flew with a foreign ministry, Israeli foreign ministry team, to Abu Dhabi. We opened the first um, official um, diplomatic uh, representation there. It wasn't to the UAE. It was to a, a, an energy organization, but didn't matter. We suddenly had a different presence in that country. And um, Bahrain, for many years, has had understandings with Israel. So some of this was not surprising. What I saw, and I saw this around the world, was a thirst of many countries to have new relationships with Israel. I focused for a period of time on Africa, particularly the Sahel countries, right below North Africa. And we just opened up one relationship after another. And um, frankly, I think Israel has what to offer to these countries, and, and we have to work with them and build these new relationships. No, I'm, I'm glad that these relations are taking place. How do you make it that 50,000 Israelis in the month of December went from Israel to UAE? They went to Dubai. <laughs> Dubai is like, um, you know, a tourist Disneyland. <laughs> it's a place where, where many people want to go. You want to have a good time. You want to have fun. It, it attracts Israelis. For years, it attracted Russians, for example. And it attracts Arabs from all over the Arab world. So it wasn't a big surprise. Uh, also, the old place that Israelis used to go to for an economical vacation uh, was Turkey. But the relationship with Turkey in the last couple of years has somewhat declined, largely and only, I should say, because of Turkish policy. I think that will change as well in the months ahead. Um, but in the absence of Turkey, um, Dubai was a natural tourist haven for many Israelis. Now, isn't there some movement now with Turkey? There's some signaling that Turkey wants to repair the relationship with Israel. Is that you, you, you must be hearing that. So what exactly is transpiring with it? Because Turkey turned from being an important ally where they went the opposite direction, and now is there movement, real movement, to change? Well, I, we're getting uh, indications, let's put it that way, that Turkey wants to put its relations with Israel on a new footing. And it's my understanding that the foreign ministry and the prime minister's office are, are both exploring how we can improve our relations with the Turks. But there are, very, there are real tangibles that have to be addressed. For example, um, Hamas turned Istanbul into an operational headquarters. They gave orders for attacks on Israelis from Istanbul. You'd think we're talking about Beirut, but we're not. We're talking about Turkey. And Turkey's a member of NATO. So, you know, there are things we've got to uh, work out. We've got to make clear they understand and we need the support of um, European allies and the United States uh, for positions which I think are eminently reasonable. Our guest is Ambassador Dory Gold with taking some of your phone calls. So overall, are you you're optimistic? I, listen, I think it's a great thing what all these Arab countries have a relation with Israel. I think that there's a new administration in Washington, and I think you correctly alluded to it before, will make the Israeli connection with these Arab countries even stronger because they want to be have a united fronts against Iran. 
That's true. I think the Iranian threat hasn't gone away. One of the byproducts of the Iran deal from 2015 was a lot of money going into Iran and then a lot of um, growth of their military forces, which allowed them to engage in some very dangerous behavior around the Middle East. I'll share with you one particular instance that I was exposed to. I, for a while, was involved in the restoration of our relations with Morocco. And what I learned when I was in Morocco was that the Iranians had uh, developed a position in Algeria, using their embassy in Algeria, in Algiers, um, for moving weapons and coordinating training of the Polisario. Those are the guerrillas that operated in the Western Sahara. And, uh, you know, this was Iranian-sponsored. So Iran wasn't just, you know, probing in the Persian Gulf or in Lebanon or in Gaza. It was reaching out across the whole Middle East to the whole uh, conflict over the Western Sahara. So, um, you know, I, I found that Iranian activism increased dramatically across the region. Well, isn't there, didn't they just uncover a plot in Dubai to, for Iranian secret agents to do some terrorist activity, especially with so many Israelis being there? Aren't they trying yeah, well, to? They, they view the United Arab Emirates as their play, terrorist playground, and that's something that you know has to be stopped, halted, and um, you know, hopefully, uh, I think the people who are supposed to run American foreign policy for the Biden administration have indicated they're aware of much of this activity and that, you know, they, they will draw a line in the sand themselves. Good luck. Let's hope it works. We're there to help them. Who do you think is going to be the next ambassador from the United States to Israel? I don't know, but he's going to be coming after... Um, one of the strongest American ambassadors that uh, we've witnessed. I'm talking about David Friedman. Did a great job. Who was able, David Friedman was able to pick up the phone and call the president you know, when he needed to speak to him. Not all ambassadors have that kind of access. So hopefully the next ambassador under President Biden will have that kind of um, status in Washington and will be able to safeguard the interests of our bilateral relationship. Let's go to Stan in Forest Hills, New York. Stan, thank you for waiting. Your question for the ambassador. Thank you very much. Mr. I got an echo again. Uh, go, ahead, echo. Uh, go ahead, Stan. Okay. Yes. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, you made a statement just before. It's not for uh, Israel or yourself or to talk about politics uh, related to the event that happened Wednesday. Is that what you said? I just Please. want to get it clear, because if that's what you said... Uh, most of the democracies in the world have commented and uh, stated the horrendous disgust that has happened. Why if, has Prime Minister Netanyahu made any statement? I have not heard any statement by him. Can you comment on that? Yes, he has made a statement. He did make a statement? He made a statement about the violence, etc. That's something which, you know, as fellow democracies, we can do. But do we really want to get into Democrats versus Republicans? That's not our business. It's tempting. Well, it's nobody's business, but did he make the statement? That's what I wanted to know. Did he say it was terrible and it should have happened? I mean, did he say that? I think he took a strong position on 
you know, uh, repudiating the violence, but at the same time, uh, you didn't get into the, the politics of it. And, you know, did the Democrats cause it? Did the Republicans cause it? Who caused it? We stay away from that. Well, the others have made a statement in that regard, sir. But he I'm said, but he said, the press. he said, he said Israel did make a statement. No, no, he made a statement, but he's saying that uh, what caused it and so forth, when other democracies have made a statement saying what happened with Mr. Trump. So I'm just wondering if the prime minister basically, he said nothing other than uh, it was terrible. Is that what you're saying, sir? I'm saying, from what I recall, he obviously condemned the violence. But, again, I believe, and I'm not, I don't have the wording of what he said in front of me. I'm sitting in Jerusalem right now. Um, but I don't have the wording of what he exactly said. I think we should not get drawn into the whole question. There are very serious questions about American politics. That's not for Israel to stick its nose into. Really? But, but hasn't that happened in the past when the prime minister did come here and speak to Congress and did put his uh, uh, face in politics when he hit uh, Barack Obama? He didn't go to him. That was politics. So how, how, do you, how do you rectify that? How do you come to terms with that, sir? Well, let's be very clear. When we're talking about whether Iran gets nuclear weapons or not, that is a decision that will affect the future security of the people of Israel. And it's his business to protect that. That has no relationship to the uh, types of um, disagreements that exist in America today. Anyway, thank you for your phone call, Stanley. Appreciate okay. it. We have only a few moments left. So getting back to the Israeli politics, what's going on? There's going to be elections in Israel, and it looks like the Blue and White Party is not going to have the same kind of representation of any in the next class. So why go bother go through the whole process again when the results are going to be pretty similar to what they are today? I understand your question, and it makes a lot of sense. But, you know, these decisions are not the decision of just the prime minister. These are decisions of a coalition. Israel is coalition politics. And uh, if you lose your parliamentary majority because several players in the parliamentary game have pulled out or want new elections, you got to go through it. I think most Israelis are sick of having elections every uh, two years and would like to have a stable government. But right now, our focus, more than the election, is defeating the COVID virus. And I have to say, Israel has stood out in the world in distributing the vaccine, uh, several vaccines, uh, and um, hopefully we'll be out of the woods uh, before the uh, Passover Seder. And, uh, yeah, they did a great job, I think, of... Uh over what is it, over one million and a half vaccinated, and they th- I think they, by March they expect everybody to get the vaccine, right? Is that the goal? End of March, yes. I think that's the goal, and, uh, you know, let's hope it works, uh, and let's hope the distribution works, the virus, the vaccine works. These are serious companies, Moderna and Pfizer, and, um, you know, I have to say I'm very proud of the way Israel handled the uh, war against um, COVID, and uh, we're sharing our knowledge, our experience, our ideas with other countries, and uh, they're, they they want that information. They did a great great job, I, and thank God that they're finally sees the light at the end of the tunnel. Before I let you go, we we miss not having you here in the United States. 
any plans of taking on another ministerial position or perhaps ambassadorship again? Well, right now I'm involved in what's called the War of Ideas. And the War of Ideas is to get out there and both explain what's going on and perhaps make recommendations to your own government about how to deal with the challenges we're facing. I right now don't have plans for going back into uh, what we call public life, but I've always been available. And uh, when I can tell the whole story over the last four years, I have been in the front lines of Israeli diplomacy, even though I don't have currently a formal position. Is there a book in the making of your experiences? Yeah, I think about it from time to time. Maybe there will be, but a lot of these experiences are uh, behind the scenes and shouldn't be put out there. And so I'll have to think about it and I'll see what I can get clearance on and what I can't get clearance on. But when the prime minister has needed me, I always made myself available and um, you know dealt with the kind of challenging questions that the state of Israel has had to consider over the last number of years. Thank you for your service. We appreciate it. Look forward to have to have you back again, uh, Mr. Ambassador, the 11th Israeli Ambassador to the United Nations, currently the president of the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Zir. Thank you.